Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. I am Evan Mack, joined, as always, by Ross Reed. You can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. We have a packed show today. Remember, if you've missed any of the previous shows, you can catch them on iTunes, Spotify for the audio. OTAs at length as that's just kicked off and uh, a whole lot, lot to go with the Bears conversation to kick off the show with Jalen Johnson absent. We're talking about uh, players like Chase. Pool and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet lost that game four. And so the five and then the Nuggets sweep the Lakers and LeBron is now questioning um, retirement at this point. Gasp. Uh, and we'll talk about Memorial Day activities. How you doing, Rob? Uh, I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing great. If, my, girl, you gotta let me know if my internet's acting up. It's uh, we're I've been having some technical difficulties lately, so please let me know. Oh boy. Well, I've asked you if, how Miami was twice, so we're off to a great start. <laughs> we are um very very similar to uh to how uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just tried to announce his candidacy for presidency we're also having some technical difficulties right now yeah apparently but, but uh the bears to kick off ross as we dive into things and uh you know if, if you want to lead it off in terms of otas i know that it's really early on i'd say the only thing i saw really with otas was the you know, the big storyline was DJ Moore and Tremaine Edmonds sort of leading the pack and showing by example how good they can be and, and how they can certainly elevate both sides of the football right away with DJ Moore. Or, of course, the new Bears wide receiver and Tremaine Edmonds now uh, sort of anchoring that, that Bears defense, which is uh, going to be looking a bit different than last year, that's for sure, hopefully not bottom of the league so to just talk about the expectations if you could ross and um and yeah what, what to expect with otas just starting off um as of yesterday 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for, for OTA starting off here, it's a good opportunity, obviously, for the offense to get up to speed. Um, you know, Justin Fields hasn't really gotten on the field yet um, with a lot of these new wide receivers that he's had, DJ Moore that you're talking about, Tyler Scott, the rookie. Um, but then also, you know, a, you know, Chase Claypool was hurt, you know, for a, a big part of last year, right? So you get Chase, you get Chase Claypool back on the field. You get him healthy again. We heard good things about him and how he showed up in the camp, focused and in shape. Darnell Mooney was hurt last year. That's a big part of it. Robert Tunyon. I think the Bears are trying to figure out where the majority of these targets are going to be at and how they're going to game plan this offense around them. Um, so, you know, you know, that was the most important thing for me. You know, the defense, you can, I already knew Trace, you know, Tremaine Evans was going to be awesome, right? That's why he, he got all that money in free agency and, and coming in. It's going to be fun to see them acclimate some of the rookies to that situation, especially those guys up front on the defensive line. Um, you know, you know, Eddie Jackson is going to take his time to get healthy and you want him to take his time. We still have plenty of time there. Um, I think it's a little frustrating. I think for you hear it, you heard it in, in Matt Eberflus's voice this week it's a little frustrating to see Jalen Johnson not out there um you know he he is looking for a new contract as is a couple other bears on that team right now and, and and maybe that's a factor as to why he didn't show up to uh to the situation um and so that's something to keep an eye on you know are a are the bears willing to pay him right now and then b what's he looking for is how that going to factor into uh the start of the season because it feels like we were kind of just here last year when we were talking about Roquan Smith right and Roquan Smith held out for a while, showed up at the start of the year, and then, boom, he got traded and he was gone. So, you know, you you have to wonder how does this, uh, you know, all figure out with, with Jalen Johnson. But for me, OTA right now is about the offense. It's Lou Getz's second season, calling plays, offensive coordinator. He should be more comfortable underneath his belt. It's Justin Fields building that chemistry with DJ Moore, and, um, and and Chase Claypool because he you know he was hurt for a lot of that that piece that last year after getting traded to the Bears and getting those guys in a rhythm. We've heard Justin Fields has been quicker with the football out of his hands in the offseason, and we know what what DJ Moore can do. We think we know what Chase Claypool can do and what Darnell Moody can do, and now we need to blend all these guys together and see how they mesh. Yeah, I'm uh, certainly looking forward to the Bears offense and their new tools that are behind Justin Fields. And, and Justin Fields, let's also just circle on uh, on this, on the subject of the offense, too, is in the headlines because of uh, what he said uh, when, when just being asked about his contract situation. And uh, he basically just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a little show it here. I'm not worried about contracts. I'm worried about wins. I could care less. This is in that all important third year where he's entering, um, where you see that jump with the, with the competition around him, where you see the likes of Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts just getting huge contracts and, and being the highest players, paid players at their positions up there with Mahomes and company. And, you know, Burroughs in the conversation. So is Justin Herbert. And, you know, Justin Fields is now you know, there's all this hype around them, certainly with the potential and look at fantasy rankings and all that. But you look at the tiers of quarterbacks, he's certainly in that third tier. He's not even in that echelon of those guys that I mentioned so far. So in OTAs, this is going to be that first look where we get to see the protection. Has that improved? And mm-hmm. can he build chemistry with those guys around him? You mentioned guys being in contract years, big, big play guys like Cole Komet, 
and Darnell Mooney, for example. And now you got DJ Moore, who's a bona fide number one, and then Chase Claypool. It looks like on paper one of those better receiving um, groups out of this league, and certainly in the NFC uh, North, they could make some noise too, especially with the departure of Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I guess speak to that, Ross, and, and what you expect out of OTAs. I know it's very early on, and training camp will be more of when we see that, but what you would look forward to in, in Justin Fields and sort of making that jump. And then we'll talk about the contract talks as well. Yeah, I just want to see him be more confident. I want to see him kind of be more confident in, in realizing that now this is his, you know, going into his third season. Um, I kind of throw out the first off season, the, I, you know, for, 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 for rookies, especially quarterbacks, I throw out that stretch between when those guys were drafted into, into the start of their first season because um, there's just so much going on. The game is still so fast for them. They're trying to learn a new play playbook. They're trying to get acclimated to NFL life, um, you know, so on and so forth. You don't know if you're going to be the starter. In Justin's case, he was not the starter week one, right? When he, when he start when he uh, was with the Bears, and so to me, this is his now second season and really adjusting to NFL life in the off season season and transitioning into uh, into the season. And so I, I want to see him be more comfortable, be more acclimated, be more of a leader on that football team. I want to see how his mechanics look. I want to see the chemistry that he's built with some of these guys and, you know, some of these receivers and stuff like that. And then also most importantly, right, we want to see all these guys stay healthy. That's 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 really the most important thing, because this is OTAs. It is only May, even though we get excited about football. But we got a long way to go until week one when the Packers come to town. We need to keep these guys as healthy as possible. Um, but, you know, from Justin, you know, I, I kind of tweeted this out today. While I'm happy that he's saying things like, you, you know, I, you know, it's all about the wins and, and, and you know, we, we, we want to just win football games, not thinking about the contract and stuff like that. I do believe him in some capacity, but I don't <laughs> because I know that he is a, a young man who is now entering his third year and, and every, every athlete or just anybody in general wants to get paid they, they want to get money they want to you know they want to go out there and prove that they deserve this money and he sees these contracts that have been given out this year from Lamar Jackson to Jalen Hurts right to what Joe Burrow is about to make and Justin Herbert is about to make and so on and so forth and he really he recognizes that he could be a 50 million dollar a year guy if he strings together a really good quality season and that has to be top of mind and guess what I am 100% okay with that because if Justin Fields goes out there and balls out this year, number one, the Bears are going to be in a playoff contention uh, situation because they have every opportunity to be so in a down NFC North right now. And then number two, that means he had a really good year, which is all we really want to see, right? We want to see us finally get that, that franchise quarterback that we've never had in our lifetimes. We've come close, the Jay Cutler's of the world and stuff like that, but we've never actually seen a guy really – be a perennial uh, all-pro caliber quarterback. And so if he throws for 3,500 yards this year and and has 30 touchdown passes and, and 800 yards on the ground and eight or nine rushing, you know, uh, uh, you know touchdowns and, and has, you know, anywhere between, you know, 12 and 15 interceptions, like a two-to-one touchdown to interception ratio, he deserves that contract. And that probably means the Bears have won seven, at least seven to nine games this year I'll take that all day long. Yeah, you could hope that the only hope is that Justin Fields does continue to go ahead and progress that the way these these other two guys we mentioned that just got big contracts and Jalen Hurts um, and Lamar Jackson just got paid huge. He can say, I'm not worried, and that's 
the right move to make. You're not going to make it about you at this point. You care about the team progressing. You care about the offense turning it around as much as the defense and, and getting back into the win column where it counts. But, you know, next year he's going to change his tone for sure, especially if he gets, you know, above 500 or, like, snips the playoffs and he starts to throw close to 30 touchdowns, something like that. And if he's that first passer to 4,000 yards still, you know, I think, you know, one of the only franchises in the league, if not the only one, I don't have it in front of me, that mm -hmm. does not have that 4,000-yard passer. Uh, that's that's something right there. Um, and Justin Fields, I, I agree with you. There's not to be – there's not much to be seen in OTAs. We really got to see training camp, what else to look forward to. But Ross, is, as we talk about the Bears as a whole – uh, I know we touched on, you know, the receivers as well, but defensively, what what are you looking for? You know, the contract guys and the Jalen Johnson situation, if you could sort of rehash that a little bit and, and what we can expect as we roll on the offseason here. Yeah, you know, the the cornerback position is is difficult. I'm gonna as we're as I'm talking here, I'm gonna pull up uh, you know, quarterback uh salary wise. There's a huge, huge gap in that position there. And obviously Jalen Johnson wants to get paid. Um, like one of the highest paid cornerbacks in, in, in the NFL. Um, but he really can't stay on the football field. And, and that's going to be an issue for the Bears is, is, is you know, what is what is his value? And, and you know, that's going to be, uh, you know, we, we saw Ryan Poles play hardball last year with Roquan Smith and, and, and didn't really get there with him and ended up trading him away. I like Jalen Johnson a lot. I think he's a quality football player, but. You know, I, I need to see him on the football field consistently, and it would be, it would have been nice for him to have a a good faith situation and, and show up to OTAs and be out there with his football team and be out there with, with especially some of the new guys. You know, Trey Main Edmonds is out there and stuff like that, and be you know, Jalen Johnson's a, he's a veteran, and he should be a leader on that defense going into this year. You know, him and Eddie Jackson, in my opinion, should be some of the leaders on that defense. They've been here for a long time now, and 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 so. I would have liked to have seen that. You know, now you start to look at who can step up in his spot to maybe you know push him and 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 you know take some reps right now in OTAs and 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 push to to really show the Bears that they can be that guy going forward. You know, you look at uh, a guy like the, you know Tyreek Wilson, you know rookie that they just drafted, right? Um, you know, you look at Terrell Smith, another rookie that they just drafted as well. Those guys are, are basically sitting. Uh, behind Jalen right now in the depth chart, but they're not too far behind uh, Jalen in the depth chart. Kyler Gordon's going to be going into his second season as a pro, and we hopefully have high hopes for him as a second-round draft pick. And, uh, you know, Kendall Vildor has been a veteran in this league for a long time, and, um, you know, he's got an opportunity, even though he was a guy that, for all intents and purposes, what we heard was, was the one that got burned on the double move by D.J. Moore, but D.J. Moore is going to do that to 85% of the corners in this football league right now. Um, but it's going to be interesting how this Jalen thing uh, unfolds going forward. I thought Matt Everflus was very, was very, um, he was short about the Jalen Johnson situation, um, but you can see it kind of in his tone and his face that wasn't happy that he was missing that time. And um, he doesn't even know if, if Jalen's going to be there when mandatory camp starts in a couple of weeks, which I think is the big, big, uh, you know, question mark going forward. You know, real quick on salary stuff, you know, right now you're looking at guys top of the league, Jair Alexander, Denzel Ward, Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey. Those guys are making 21, 20, 20, 19 million dollars a year. Jalen Johnson's not in that territory, right? You know, some guys after that, Samian Howard, Tredavian White, JC Jackson, those guys are in the 18, 17, 16 million dollar year range. I don't think Jalen's there either. And so you got to start looking underneath that at like, Darius Slay, 
Charverius Ward, Jamel Dean, Adoree Jackson, James Bradbury. Those guys are in the 14 to 13 million range. And that's where you start having the Jalen Johnson conversation. To me, he's more of like a 12, $11 million a year corner. But does he think that that's going to be the big question going forward? Because he might want more than that. And I think we might have serious issues on our hands if that's the case. Yeah, that's a tough situation to handle too, especially for the other contract, uh, you know, disputes that are probably forthcoming with Ole Komet. And if he has another big season or bigger season, if he continues to progress and if Darnell Mooney plays up to it, you'd figure with, with these three guys, someone's not going to show up though. There, there, there's that part of it too. And where they kind of overplay their hand um, or they're just underperform. And, and that's just the, the, I don't know, just the nature of the league, the reality of it for sure. So, you know, OTAs we've talked about, sort of what the timeline looks like. You know, next up we'll, we'll be training camp very soon after that. And, man, that's that's when we will be recapping every week just these positional battles that will be so pivotal. We'll be seeing, you know, the fields and more connection, which should be pretty big to, to see, and, and the maturity that Justin Field shows, and then that rotation with the line and to see how their you know, first overall pick or first overall uh, draft pick that they they had ninth overall draft pick, I should say. It was 10th. They traded that. But anyways, how they go go ahead and, and fit him into the lineup at right tackle and then the rest, rest of the offensive line, how they were pretty good about moving around when they needed to, when you have to adjust to those injuries and everything that goes on to that. And then the defense, those new pieces, it's really just besides that secondary, a – a real turnaround to that front seven and how it looks now that Tremaine Edmonds is leading there and then see who can emerge as a sort of a pass rusher. And it's still in training camp. It can only give you so much, but uh, we shall see what, what else are you looking forward to as we uh, get, get towards that uh, date where they report for training camp Ross. Yeah. I think, you know, two things for me, this is a big, this is a big uh, transition period for the coaching staff. I mean, remember this is, this is a rookie coaching staff from last year all across the board, right? Matt Eberflus, rookie head coach, Luke Getze, rookie offensive coordinator, Alan Williams, rookie defensive uh, coordinator, and then you have Richard Hightower as well, the special teams coach. So now these guys get a year underneath their belt, and you have to feel like they're more comfortable in their positions as well. Um, I, to me, this feels like all eyes on Luke Getze from this moment on all through the year because he has an opportunity – to really walk away from this season, setting himself up to be a really hot commodity uh, as a potential head coach going forward. If he can get the most out of Justin Fields and, um, and, and DJ Moore, and he can get that running game going with Khalil Herbert and, and you know, Roshan Johnson, the rookie, and Deontay Foreman and, and stuff like that, then all of a sudden Luke Etsy is going to be on a lot of people's short list for, for, uh, to be a head coach in this league because these quarterbacks are going to look more like Justin Fields coming out of the draft. And we saw that this year, guys like Anthony Richardson and stuff like that. That's the trend going forward. So he really has a, a microscope on his back uh, on him this year, as he tries to get that offense to something that we really haven't seen uh, consistently as a Bears fan in a long time. We had some moments there. Mark Trestman had a couple moments, you know, he, you'll, you know, Jay-Z, like, like he says in, uh, in, in, in TakeOver, you had a spark when you started, but now you're still garbage. And and, and, and so you have to Gosh. see, yes, you have to see if you've got that continuity and if Luke Getsy can build on that. And if he can, listen, as much as it would hate to, as much as uh, it would hate, we would hate to see him go, 
if that means that he did walk away because he had a successful run as offensive coordinator, it means Justin had a good year. The offense had a good year. DJ had a good year and, 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 and more and Claypool and so on and so forth. And the Bears are, are kind of humming along. And you take that. You'll take that. You'll find a new offensive coordinator and so on and so forth. So I'm looking at those guys. And the last thing, it's usually the most important thing, and it's the thing that coaching staff says to all their players when they leave between now and the mandatory stuff, don't get in trouble. I just came from Miami. I came from South Beach. That is, <laughs> that is a that is a that is a spot that you can get in trouble at. Do <sighs> not get in trouble in that time frame uh, between now and when we have to report the training camp and stuff like that. Keep it clean. Stay healthy. Continue to focus. Focus on the playbook. Focus on keeping your weight down and stuff like that. And stay out of the police fodder. Stay off TMZ, please. Stay off the Twitter timeline, stuff for all the negative stuff, all those things. Just do not get in trouble. Don't get hurt. Don't get in trouble. Summertime Chicago, too, can can be tough on you as well, as we know that uh, Roquan had, uh, had 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 a situation as well, which which didn't help him in his contract negotiations. Shout out Ross with the takeover bars, too. That was incredible. Well done. Well done. Good shit. Right off the top. He's refreshed, baby. He's not wearing his fedora from Miami, though. I'm disappointed. No, I got it. You let me know. I did. I smoked hookah. I don't even smoke hookah. I mean, you smoke hookah in Miami? God damn. Miami is just a, it's just in a, a long time. It's a mythical city where you just drink champagne at 11 a.m. and smoke hookah. And That's what it's, I'm on. It's, Maybe not the hookah, but I'll, yeah. I'll drink champagne at 11 a.m. That's fine. I'm on vacation. <laughs> on weekend vacation. You did the anniversary right, Ross. There you go. Uh, yeah, not not too much else as far as the NFL is concerned, although we have to talk about our former Bear, David Montgomery. Damn, dragging the Bears with his new team, the Detroit Lions. Ugh. And he said, quote, that's all I was used to, he said on losses in Chicago. And it got to a point where it sucked the fun out of the game for me because I'm a competitor. I like to compete. That's what football is about. It's so refreshing to be in a place where that's appreciated. Uh, I like David Montgomery, but if he wants to run his mouth, first of all, it's on. And, you know, the Bears, maybe the, maybe this Bears-Lions rivalry will be, you know, sort of re, reflamed, reignited uh, now that both teams are kind of skirting being good again. And that's the bigger point is Detroit ain't, hasn't been shit as long as the Bears haven't been shit. Uh, when you look at the Lions, they've been as bad just as long as the Bears have been bad. Uh, the sour grapes, it was it was a little upsetting from David Montgomery, but... You know, it, it kind of builds to uh, the, the offseason storylines, and and that's that's what it's about at this point, right, Ross? You didn't take it personally, did you? He's 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 in his feelings, um, which I think, Montgomery, yeah, Montgomery's been a guy that's been in his feelings before. He's a little emotional over how everything kind of fell out. Um, as a running back, he's going to find out that maybe even the Detroit, Detroit Lions don't love you as much as you think that they love you right now because they drafted a running back top 15 overall despite signing that's you. right <laughs> you you might be one and done there too um you know so it, it but it, it adds to the rivalry um i like that shout out to my guy jonathan wood on twitter uh he's been on this train for a couple of years now and saying that you know david montgomery was a big part of why the bears offense was was really lackluster and not explosive enough um, and he's got the stats and numbers to 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 back it up. He's a very analytical guy. If you follow him, so you know, I think it just adds to the fire. I, I love it. I, I think the Bears are in a better situation right now without him. We wish him best of luck going forward. Not really, 
But, you know, listen, I, I think that adds more fuel to the fire. You get a guy like Tremaine Edmonds now who's there right now who's trying to change the culture in this locker room, and he might put a helmet up his ass on, on a third and short and, and remind David Montgomery, I remember what you said back in May, homeboy. And, and, and so I hope that just um, fuels this whole entire Bears team um, and, and, and leads them to, to, to greater things because Detroit had a solid year in the last year. And they are the favorites, obviously, to, to win the NFC North, but they haven't won shit. And they haven't won shit in a long time. And yes. I've seen some of the – I've seen – listen, they've had arguably the greatest running back of all time. I still think it's Walter Payton. But Barry Sanders is right up there, and they still didn't win anything. So David Montgomery should be a little bit more humble and uh, put his head down and, and focus on the task at hand because if not, he's got a rookie breathing on his back that's going to take his snaps away ASAP. Right. It's a crowded running back room over there. And and you're certainly, uh, you know, as far as running backs are concerned, this is like the back nine of your career. <laughs> this is already a tough position for him to be in. So yeah. uh, whatever you're on to uh, lines. You're dead to me, David Montgomery. Where's Don Burr where I can shit yeah. talk. Um, I do like the, uh, I do like the, 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 the number five Jersey that he picked. I like when running backs do the single digit thing. So I'll give him that. He's, he's wearing number five right now. I appreciate that. But, um, you know, keep keep your mouth shut, David, or or, or keep running you, for all I care. They, and you know, let let the Bears defense let your play uh, speak for itself, it. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what it's about. The number five, man. That's I feel like only Reggie Bush can wear that. Oh, Give Reggie yeah. back his Heisman. That's a whole nother show for us. Uh, Ross, with the the kickoff change, NFL just had a rule change approved on kickoffs where the fair catch, because they care so much about their playoffs, players, excuse me, where the fair catch will be spotted at the 25-yard line. That's much like the, the college rule. We may very well see kickoffs just go away at this point. I know a lot of people don't like this. Uh, you'll still get some returners who want to give it a go, but concussion rates have surged over the last couple of years on kickoffs. So NFL, uh, NFL again, wants to show that they care about players. Uh, are you for it, or is it just? Uh, I think you said it's just it's just cardio for special teamers now at this point. That's all it is. It's just cardio for special teamers, and you have to you have to start to wonder. You know, guys that have made a living throughout the career playing special teams, does this start to you know hurt their career long term? Because you're starting to kind of slowly phase out a big part of that game. I mean, I know Matt Everflus said yesterday that he thinks that this is going to result in more returns because as kickers are going to try and pop it up and, and, and maybe catch catch return guys in a moment or something like that, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think it's going to be uh, – I think you'll see a lot more returns in inclement weather. And, you know, the Bears went out there uh, in the offseason. Obviously, they got, um, you know, running back Travis Homer, who's got kick return uh, capability. They also drafted Tyler Scott, who's got kick return capability as well. Maybe you got those guys who are going to try and test it. But, you know, it, it's obvious that the, Bear, that the NFL is trying to phase out a, a portion of the game because they're trying to prevent injuries. I just call bullshit because in the same breath, you just passed a rule saying that you're going to be able to flex Thursday night football games and give teams like a 28, 27, 28 day window or something like that. Like it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. It's like the NFL is talking out of two sides of their mouth. They're going to say, we're trying to protect players on this side and the new one, they'll do one thing on this side, and, which is completely the opposite. Um, so I don't like it. You know, you've got, you know, you know, Black Friday games now and more Thursday night games and, and, and so on and so forth. The schedule is just getting condensed. On top of that, they've got an extra week now that they have to play because they extended that a couple of years ago. So I just call bullshit on, on the NFL in general. They're going to do what they want to do in, for the sake of greed. 
Um, and, and, you know, I don't think that it's, it's completely at the best interest of the players. And I like the kickoff return. I, I, I think it's a it's a fairly mundane play, but it tends to be exciting. And, and, and you know, I sure. love there's nothing better to me than to see a guy, you know, return a kickoff for a touchdown in sports. It's kind of like the, the inside the park home run, so to speak. Um, you know, how can we forget last year that, the, you know, the Buffalo Bills, you know, the game after uh, after the whole DeMar Hamlin situation, they had two return kickoffs for touchdowns. And, and you're going to try and implement – you're going to try and take that stuff away out of the game and that excitement and stuff like that. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not either. It's been a huge part of games, and, and it can be a momentum swing, you see. And, you, I mean, of course, gone are the days of seeing a guy like Devin Hester who, you know, changed the game single-handedly um, as far as that aspect of the game. But it, it definitely – it's that third phase of special teams, right? It's just as important, you would think, as the the field goals are and punts and all this. So it's just – I know a lot of special teamers, of course, are not happy about it as well, but it, it is what it is. Roger pretends to to care about the players at this point. Uh, anything else you're hot on with the, the NFL before we move on? No, just uh, we saw our first glimpse of Aaron Rodgers in a, in a, in a just uniform, and then he quickly it is exited weird. the field with a uh, with a with an ankle injury, and 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 so he's gonna, you know, I, I I made a joke that you know all year you heard the he's 38 stuff on on Twitter when it came to LeBron James and, and his injuries and stuff like that, and you know now you're gonna see the he's 39 stuff with Aaron Rodgers, but. Godspeed, Jets, because you signed up for this and you mortgaged your your franchise for this situation, and uh, we'll see. Also, uh, I saw Jordan Love. Somebody was already on Twitter making excuses for him, saying that um, you know he was missing throws in OTAs, but he also didn't have his starting offensive line out there. They're in shorts and t-shirts. What does the starting line have to offensive line have to do with you? Yeah. Right. What does that have to do with you missing throws? They're in t-shirts. You're not getting hit right now. That has make that doesn't make anything make any sense. So um week one will be fun. And and uh, I can't wait. It's it's good to it's see nice a little city. football back. I'm not in a rush. Listen, we're we're getting the memorial day. We're gonna talk about it in a little bit. We're trying to enjoy our summer and stuff like that. But uh yeah, it's 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 good to see. Um shout out, we didn't talk about schedule release stuff, but you know, shout out to the the, the Bears are going to be in in Kansas City for for a game at, at Arrowhead after we thought they might be in Germany. Uh, I'll be in the house for that. That's going to be awesome. First visit at Arrowhead. Um, we get a, a Black Friday football game this year, right? Uh, which is going to be fun. Um, so there's some really fun stuff on the schedule this year uh, that we saw. It's, it's going to be fun and exciting to get football back in our lives. There's a schedule right there. Yeah, there you go. Open it up at home against the Packers too, against you know Aaron Rodgers' former team, as we were talking about. Some some great uh, some some great games on that slate. I'll I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Kevin Love. I'll do that. Kevin Hart meme that they does when he pulls his hands back a little bit. But listen, this schedule is not that difficult. You know, you look at that the first couple weeks. You know, week one, week two, the winnable football games, right? You you got Jordan Love and, and Baker Mayfield. Those are winnable, winnable football games right there. And, and Chiefs, that's going to be tough. But you look after that, you've got winnable football games on this schedule, man. It, you know, I, I the Bears should be in that 7-9 to nine win range. And, and that's where you take the next step. And um, shout out to, to Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. I hope you go 1-16 this year, man, because uh, we, we, we need that. We want that first overall pick again that you traded to us. And, and we want to – we want to flip that into a Marpa Harrison Jr. after a trade down. You know, that's that's what oh, I want. Yeah. 
That'd be nice. It'd be nice. It is a, a different schedule than we're used to in terms of the Bears and certainly seems to play in their favor when you, you host Green Bay and it's Jordan Love and then Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers does not really scare you at all. Then you travel to the, the one of the toughest tests of the season and we'll see how um, Justin Fields and company plays against the, the Chiefs. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and, and give predictions as the offseason rolls on for sure. But Mac and Re- Reed, the show rolls on here. And remember, you can go ahead and comment if you are watching live on YouTube. And uh, let's talk about the Eastern Conference Finals and the Celtics staying alive in the NBA. The the Heat right now, they had a chance to sweep them in Game 4, but Game 5, it will be uh, back in Boston. So with that win, Celtics were were doing everything I feel like they were supposed to be doing in the first three games, right? And now, you know, Boston was able to neutralize. Bam! They defended the three-pointer well. Offensively, they were they were unselfish. You saw great ball movement. Like Tatum went off for 33. As a team, they shot 51% from the field. Jalen Brown has yet to have that big game in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it was a confidence builder for him. Him and Marcus Smart were saying, you know, quote, don't let us win one. And lo and behold, they forced that game back to Boston. And I wouldn't say it's a new series because, you know, Jimmy is uh, over there in his press conferences. What is he? I don't know. I forget the song, but he's he's just very relaxed. He's like, we'll have a beer and we'll be ready for game five. That's just how it goes. And so I uh, I, I wonder, you know, who will win this and, and what your thoughts are thus far in the series. When we thought that Celtics were left for dead, they could easily turn around if they play like they did uh, on Tuesday night. They can. I mean, you know, the Celtics are the Celtics are the most talented team left in the playoffs. Let's get that out the way. Number one, they they from top to bottom, they got the most talented roster left of, of the three teams now because because the Lakers are eliminated. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, the sixth man of the year, so on and so forth. Um They've got a rookie head coach who was thrown into the fire after their head coach from last year got caught doing some off the court stuff that we don't need to get into. And, and he was, was forced to be let go. Um, and I think that's where the biggest disconnect is right now with that roster on top of the fact that the Celtics to me, while they're super talented, just don't have that, that, that killer instinct or that toughness that you need to be able to push forward to the NBA finals. And you know, who does, the Miami Heat do, and the Miami Heat have been that way basically since Pat Riley got down to Miami uh, way back when, you know, Shaq and Dwayne Wade were, were still there, and he he had Stan, Stan Van Gunny step aside to coach those guys to an NBA championship. And, um, you know, we talk about Eric Spolstra, and, and people talk about him being a good coach. He's not a good coach. He's a great coach, and he's yes. going to go down as one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. He is that good. He has those guys uh, up and ready every single day. They're focused. They run great sets. They play great defense. He's doing, you know, we've heard it all series. They're running seven undrafted players out there. And plus Jimmy Butler, who, you know, Jimmy Butler is a great player. Is he, you know, I guess now he's top 10, but he's not top five in the league. He's certainly not more talented than, than Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, but he's doing more with his talents uh, with the situation. And I just think it's really awesome what those guys have been able to do down there. And the heat culture thing is real. It's real. It's been real. You've seen them continue to, to, to go on, you know, with this for years now. And, um, you know, it was nice to see the Celtics actually fight back for once yesterday. 
and and do some punches. You know, I, I thought Jason, I thought Jason Tatum was really awesome, especially in the second half of that basketball game. And now you got to go home. You got to defend home court. Home court, and, and they've been really lousy at that throughout the playoffs. They've been lousy all year. But your backs are against the wall. You're the more talented team. You're in Boston, which has all this tradition and pride, and and, and you've got 16 banners in, in in the Raptors and stuff like that. Go out there and make this a series. And I think they can still make this a series. I, I think if you win, uh, what's the game tomorrow night? Right, probably if you win tomorrow night, in, tomorrow yeah, night. yeah, in Boston. Then all of a sudden, things get more interesting because I'll tell you this about Miami. This has nothing to do with the actual Miami team, but I was obviously in Miami last weekend. It is the most non-sports town I've ever been in my life. I, I spent a whole weekend in that city. I, I, I went off of South Beach. I went, all, I went into the mainland and stuff like that. Evan, I saw zero heat stuff. I didn't see any Marlin stuff. I didn't see any Dolphin stuff. I saw zero Miami sports just stuff no jerseys no hats no memorabilia nothing you know we're from chicago you can't go to a bar in chicago without seeing any of that stuff or you can't walk by a store without any seeing all this stuff even in the airport i was in the airport in miami nothing no my because my because bradley (laughs) bradley plays uh his his little league team is is the marlins i was gonna get him a marlins hat i couldn't find a marlins hat in fucking miami florida (laughs) which is the weirdest thing to me um, and then when I landed back in Chicago, the first thing I saw, Cubs gear, Sox gear, Bears gear, Harry Carey's in the middle of the airport, restaurants, stuff like that. So it's just really weird. So, you know, the crowd in Miami, they're chill. They're drinking some champagne. They got all white on. There's DJ Khaled over here. There's Derek Jeter over there. They're like Boston can win game six in Miami if they just get it back there. And then all of a sudden, game seven everybody's butts holes start to clench up a little bit, but they got to get it there. And they've got to say, listen, we are the more talented team and we just need to take this thing one at a time. You know, teams are, are I think I saw a stat today, oh, and 151 in, in when you're down three on a series. But, um, you know, it just takes one. It just takes that one team to be able to break that, that curse and they could do it. I'm not picking them to do it. I, I think that the Heats will still. Yeah. I think the Heat will still win in six games because I don't think Spolstra will allow them to lose four straight games. But I think Boston can do it. I think it's a little bit higher probability than you would see normally. Uh, you know, as much as it's a momentum type of thing where we've seen this before, we, we've seen teams come back from three, one. And it's like you said, it's, Oh, we're 155. Uh, when, when there's a, a team opposing team in that situation coming down from a three Oh hole, but it does just does take that, that one game. That's a confidence builder. And that was the formula. If you're the Celtics, right. Where you go ahead and you see that Grant Williams was playing pretty good defense on, you know, Jimmy's going to get his, but it's, it's your rotation defense on Jimmy and on those shooters, like getting Struce hot and getting um, those other guys like Caleb Williams going to get his as well, but Kevin Love not letting him go off. Um, I think Duncan Robinson is a big catalyst for that team, so making sure he didn't go off. He had two points in in the game there. And then offensively, they, they need this every game where they get um, at least double figures from Al Horford, I feel like, or at least a few big threes, two, th- two big threes, and then some points in the paint. He can't just be standing around uh, and just taking up space as the 36-year-old. But you saw... Um, Jalen Brown building that confidence. Are we going to see in this game 
five at home, Jalen Brown, like take the mask off, so to speak, and go off for 30 and take that pressure off of Jason Tatum too, because we know what Jason Tatum can do. And it took him so long to score points in the fourth quarter. He didn't score in the fourth fourth quarter a field goal until that last game in game four, which is just unheard of for a guy who's um, probably in that conversation for top five players in in the NBA at this point. Um, Grant Williams, you know, he put up 14 points. I, you, you didn't see much from Malkin Brogdon, but you've seen him put up double digits too. So it's got to be those adjustments. And Joe Missoula, you know, is a nice placeholder, but this is where you leverage that if you're Joe Missoula and you were talking about how important Eric Spolster is, which he is. Joe Missoula, this is the start of his career. He's younger than Al Horford, and he's sort of that young man on those team on this team where uh, it's a very tough position to be in. That's a huge spotlight to try to get them back to the finals uh, for one. And you would already be your legacy would already be solidified if you can somehow come back or at least extend this to six games, something like that. But uh, I don't see it. I, I think it does come back to coaching and what you saw from Eric Spolstra. Miami has already proven that they can go ahead and win in Boston, which is a tough place to play. But those those fans get after it for sure. That's crazy because you have, you have seen an opposite story of, uh, of what you, you know, the picture you painted with Miami fans and how they really do bring it at the, those Miami games. And it's certainly a lot of uh, noise. And we saw it when, you know, the, the heat were, were great with the LeBron years and Bosch and Wade and the Wade years you know, prior to that with Shaq and, you know, it's a storied franchise. So it's, it's just bananas to me to, to hear that there's not even, um, you know, any, any flags in the windows of bars or something like that, but I digress. And I, I think in this game six, you'll see Jimmy continue to get his, but it'll come down to that unselfish basketball. And Eric Spolster has been able to get a lot out of this supporting cast and, and Bam Adebayo had an off game and it comes back to that too. And I think that Adebayo can feast uh, and have, you know, 20 points, 15 rebound type of game once again, and continue to share the ball with Jimmy who had 29 points um, but we're also due for one of those games where Jimmy can just take over. And, and outside of, um, you know, you, you look at a guy uh, in the Western Conference who's been playing really well, and, and that would be Jamal Murray um, playing his ass off. It, it's been Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has been the best player in the playoffs individually, you would say, I would think. So uh, it's, it's hopefully going to be a competitive one. We saw the Celtics pull away in that game four, uh, but it should be a real close one as – Again, the Celtics try to stave off some elimination here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think if you're looking at it from Miami's standpoint, you have to start saying, listen, um, you know, Jimmy, you're the reason why you got us here and bring us home. And and, and I think Jimmy is going to have that killer instinct coming out to try and rip the hearts out of the Celtics and their fans tomorrow night in their building. We've seen him do that before. And on the flip side of it, if you're the Celtics, you say, we can't let him do that. We're, anybody else in this court has to beat us except Jimmy Butler. We're going to make Max Struess hit jumpers and Gabe Vincent hit jumpers and stuff like that. Uh, but we're not going to let Jimmy Butler kill us. And, 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 you know, to the coaching point, Joe Mazzula has to say, I'm going down with my guys and then I'm going down with my seven or eight top guys and I'm not playing anybody else. And and if somebody does not have it, if Marcus Smart, for example, doesn't have it, I got to be ready to pull him and say, there's no hard, hard feelings. We're just trying to extend our season. You know, I got to get you in there for Derek White or something like that. And, and you talked about Jalen Brown. He looks hurt to me. I know they were talking about it on the broadcast where right. he's got an elbow thing and a hand thing. He just does not look comfortable out there on the court. But on the flip side, he still can do some other things 
um, specifically to me on the defensive end to help his basketball team uh, to, to win games. So it's going to be fun. Um, I, I know for the NBA standpoint, because the finals don't even start until June 1st, which is not until next, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, next Thursday of next week. So I know they want to see this series series extended out because they don't want a full week of, of no basketball. So, you know, let's, let's hope that we can at least go into the holiday weekend with at least one more game, but boy, it'd be fun if we can get uh, a hypothetical Monday night game seven in Boston. Uh, but at least give me game six over yeah. the weekend, please, over the nice holiday weekend. Give me that. Yeah, I would like a basketball game, and and it, whoever wins, I mean, extending a game seven would be insane. But we're yeah, we're we're seeing Jimmy Butler in this push. Um, it's pretty unheard of, and and Eric Belster definitely in in the conversation um, with all these big name coaches getting the ax like Budenholzer being out in Milwaukee and Monty Williams out with the Suns, Doc Rivers um, getting the ax as well with the 76ers. It's a tough gig, man. And Spolstra, you know, just fed the haters when he had LeBron on, on this team, but now to turn it around and, and heat weren't great for a while, but then getting Jimmy Butler and then thriving with Jimmy Butler and bam as that sort of core and then building around him, having these, all these undrafted free agents and, and guys outside of, you know, say top 10 or top five lottery picks is, is pretty insane. And Jimmy Butler is a guy who just has a work ethic like no other. So it's the series. Hopefully will continue to live up to it as, as the heat push. But on the other side, you know, we saw just how good the Denver Nuggets are. And, um, you know, the Nuggets swept out the Lakers in a thriller in L.A. on Monday in game four, LeBron did all he could to the tune of 40 points. He had 10 rebounds, nine assists. He left it all out there. But it was Jokic who seemed to be the big difference maker, and he was just hitting shot after shot after ridiculous shot, those step-back, you know, one-legged threes, and just bullying his way in there past AD. He's just unstoppable to an extent. He tallied a triple-double in that win. Uh, they were dominant all series, but it looked like time had caught up to Lakers, who were the other big name play in team in this tournament. Um, and LeBron, just like time ran out for him, he had to do all this heavy lifting when AD couldn't go off as well. Austin Reeves can only do so much for you. He was an undrafted free agent who you wouldn't think would be giving him 20 points a game and, and four threes a game, something like that. Um, what a tough place to win in, in in LA. You know, you talk about the atmosphere for games like this, but that cast around Jokic is so scary. And Ross, we've, we've talked about how much we love this Nuggets team repeatedly, but Aaron Gordon, who, you know, talk about lottery picks and coming out of high school was supposed to be this killer. This guy as advertised in game four, when it mattered most, he had 22 points. He had big defensive plays throughout the game. He was bodying LeBron and both got teed up, teed up. He said, he don't care if he's your goat about LeBron and, uh, I wanted to see that that type of shit from him for a long time, not being just a great dunker, but honing his skills and being a good all-around player um, at 27 years old now, too. And same thing with Michael Porter Jr., who was really heralded out of college, and then you go ahead and you see him um, really just his stock go down with the uh, injuries that he had suffered over his NBA career for sure, but now a consistent like 15 points a game, and he gets – you know, three threes a game. He chucks a lot of threes, but it, it rings defensively and lengthwise is really big. KCP as well. But again, going back to the best players in the playoffs so far, Jamal Murray in in that series, uh, averaging over 30 points a game and just looking unstoppable. And now he's, he's getting in that conversation of one of those best shooting guards in the game at this point. 
uh, the best year yet, a hell of a playoff run, obviously really brought it. And now they're going to get that rest. Uh, you know, there's, there's the argument that you certainly need that rest if you're the Nuggets um, and the same for the, the Heat and the Celtics, whoever comes out of that series. But, um, but the Nuggets just look like a monster right now. And, and to see them sweep any team, let alone a LeBron-led L.A. team, uh, is uber impressive and just adds on to this insane playoff run they've had so far. Right, Ross? Yeah, I mean, listen, we were talking about Jokic for since I feel like November. And I, I try to tell people this guy is the best player in the NBA and you need to be watching his games because the things that he's doing on the court are things unlike we've ever seen before from a player that size and and, and, and just, you know, his passing is, is amazing. His ability to push the basketball up the court. He's basically their point guard at seven feet tall and 260 pounds. And he, and he gets them into their offense. He gets every single guy on the court an amazing shot. And I was just absolutely just, marvel at the way he plays this game is so much fun i think a lot of people now coming out of the series because they didn't really watch a lot of denver nuggets basketball they now know they now know how good he is and they realize why he was a two-time uh back-to-back mvp and he probably listen he should have won this one this year i think some politics got involved and people were tired of seeing him win mvp but you know, we see now he's definitely a more valuable player than Joel Embiid out there on the basketball court. And so um, it's it's really cool to see this story because I love the way this roster was created. I mean, Jokic is a guy who was drafted in the second round. And when he was drafted, the telecast had cut to a Taco Bell commercial. He didn't even see the moment on the screen it's of when he was joke. drafted yet. Yeah. You know, you didn't see that. But, you know, listen, they they they, they took a chance on Jamal Murray. They took a chance on him even coming back from the torn ACL injury after his great bubble run. And they didn't, they don't trade him. They stick with him. They get him healthy. You know, head coach Mike Malone had great words about that because he thought that he was going to get traded afterwards. You look at their roster. You talked about Michael Porter Jr. You take a chance on him, even though he had the back injuries coming out of college and he's healthy and he's becoming their third best scorer on the court. You trade for Aaron Gordon, who was kind of a cast off, you know, a, a high lottery pick guy. It didn't really work out, especially in Orlando, was a castaway. He's playing good basketball right now. Um, Contavious Caldwell Pope is a role player who's bounced around the league, but he's a smart guy. He's a veteran. He knows where to be in the right spots. He knows how to knock down jumpers. He's been in big basketball games. Bruce Brown was 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 basically the 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 guy that was lighting it up on the bench on the on the uh, on the Nets last year. They let him go. Very savvy free agent signing. They just put together a really, really good roster that is not very deep, but you don't need to be very deep in the in the playoffs because you just need seven guys, and then you got the best guy. You got your and it all comes back to Jokic, and that's it. And the Lakers had zero answers for him. He was phenomenal. I thought Anthony Davis was was embarrassing trying to to guard Jokic and score up against Jokic, and I think that was a very tough look for him coming out of this. And um, regardless of what happens in the Eastern Conference, I don't think there's a team in the East that's – I don't think even the Celtics or the Heat are going to be able to hang with this team. They're the best team at home in the playoffs in the regular season. It is brutal to even step foot off of a plane in Denver and catch your breath, let alone play basketball. And so you mean to tell me that you're going to try and have to win basketball games there and these guys are used to it, accustomed to it, especially the style and the pace that they play. It's just – I think it's their year. And I think it's really cool. I think it's cool for the NBA to see – a different market win, a, a different superstar win, right? Because now it, it's it's the Jokic time. 
It, it reminds me of, of very much like Dirk Nowitzki when he won back in 2011. And, um, you know, I, I think Mike Malone's a great coach. I think the Jamal Murray piece is a great story because I think he's an underrated player that we don't talk about enough as a superstar in this league. He's got to get 40 points any night, anytime he wants to. And he's proven it throughout the playoffs. And so it's fun. I, I love watching this basketball team play. I, as, as, as Bulls fans, I, I, we get very, very envious of, of what they have and how they built their roster. But it's, it's good for the league. Oh, yeah. It's fun for the league. And uh, I, I, I can't wait. I think regardless who wins in the East, I got Nuggets and five. That, that's, I'll throw it out there right now. Nuggets and five. Look at you. Hasn't even been set. But, yeah, the Nuggets are, are something else. And then, yeah, that rotation of just seven guys just beating the tar out of the Lakers there in a, in a close one and, and guaranteeing they get even more rest before – a game one of the finals first time that the nuggets are in the finals in their history as a franchise is is something else but of course we're not even talking about the nuggets that much because of lebron's comments in, in the following days as ross is shaking his head but uh lebron are we really are we really believe in this lebron is considering retirement on the heels of getting swept uh i don't buy it i think that he he you know certainly has nothing left to prove this whole Chasing MJ's ghost thing is kind of over, especially after becoming the all-time leading scorer where they stopped a fucking game to honor his achievement, um, which still bothers me to this day. <laughs> and he backtracked on the whole plane with his son, Bronny thing, who committed to USC and, and who um, they could be playing on the same team if LeBron would get his way. Just despite all this talk, it's just because your team got bent over. I, I, I don't think there's a chance he retires. He... Certainly doesn't need the the hundred million that he would lose, even though he's under contract at this point. Uh, but I think that also plays into it. I think it's just really on the again, you sort of reassess things when you go ahead and, and come back to reality and and see that man. Like even if I'm playing GM on this team and it's a new tenure, what do I do next? And what do I have to to prove at this point? I I could consider myself the best. A lot of people do consider me the best. At, at what point? He has been pretty injury free, and you think about—I don't, I don't know what he can, what he wants to do. He can do anything after basketball, but uh, but yeah, I just don't buy it. I at least see him running, probably running it back with the Lakers next year again, again because of being under contract and for for some other reasons. Yeah, I think the narcissist in LeBron is not going to allow himself to walk away without that whole season pomp and circumstance, and 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 you know, getting that final farewell world tour that you that you would give to a great athlete. So I think he's going like to like Kobe got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think he's going to want that. Um, and then, you know, number two, I think a lot of this is posturing to try and get the front office for the Lakers to push for one more star to get there. We saw Kyrie ironically sit on the sidelines of every single Lakers home game this series. And LeBron went to him and he does his little special dap up that he has with Kyrie Irving. And, and I think that's the posturing move. But I do think that if the Lakers don't acquiesce to LeBron and, and, and maybe bring in a guy like Kyrie or another superstar, then I might think he might say in September or something like that, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. I live in LA. I'm filthy rich. My boy's going to college. Um, I can make movies here. I can, I can do the shop and, and other TV shows and stuff like that. So I do think there's a, there's a, like a 25, 30% chance that he does walk away if he doesn't like the roster heading into the season. Because listen, I think that this was their best shot at winning an NBA title uh, going forward. It only gets worse because he only gets older. AD only gets older. AD was healthy for most of this year. We know that's not going to happen next year. 
And their roster is a mess outside of that. They don't have the pieces in place to compete with the Phoenix Suns of the world who are going to have a healthy KD and, and Devin Booker next year. And we know that the Nuggets are going to be locked and loaded again. We know that the, the Clippers are going to be back and so on and so forth. So there is a possibility that he could walk away. But right now, I don't see it. But, you know, you never know. We saw Michael Jordan walk away for the first time, um, you know, it, it, in October, like a week before training camp or a couple of days before training camp. So, you know, anything's possible. But what I don't like about it is we're taking away from the Jokic conference. This is the Jokic time right now. So, LeBron, you lost four games to nothing. Fuck off. Like, 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 like fuck off. Go to King. It's time. Let's let's talk about Jokic and Jimmy Butler, please. The league is going to be just fine whenever he walks away. That's my takeaway from this is I love the the young talent in this league right now. 20 years of LeBron is enough. Peace out, brother. Thank you for your, for, for everything that you've given us. We wish you best of luck going forward whenever you walk away. You left I'm, your mark. I'm over. Yeah. I'm over. Oh, yeah. You left your mark. Uh, I mean, dude, and you could only imagine. I don't, I really just don't see another ring or, or just more so. I don't see this roster just playing out. If, if it's somehow, if let's see, the best case scenario is him getting Kyrie Irving, right? And pairing up with AD, and that's your big three. And then what do you, you re sign Austin Reeves to a huge contract and Hachimura and then, somehow the bench plays out a little better. I just still don't don't think it gets you past, um, you know, that Warriors team or the Nuggets and other Western Conference powers or even whoever comes out of the East potentially. Um, he really just has nothing left to prove, which is the bigger thing to me. And I kind of wish he would, he would just go off and and not even announce, announce it. I, I get why players do the farewell tour, but you don't really need it at that point. It just doesn't feel like LeBron to me. So... So to that end, he, maybe there's an off chance that he uh, does retire in the offseason, but I don't buy it, neither Ross or I buy it at this point. But you know who did retire is the Syracuse legend Carmelo Anthony and who was uh, just one of the best shooters of all time. And and it's a bummer that he you know retires without a ring, of course, and let alone not having – won a, a conference final and he was just getting passed around for a lot of teams. One of the best nuggets of all time. Let's not forget that as well. Had some time, great time in New York as well. Um, but Carmelo Anthony, uh, who was just uh, an electric player and had some, uh, I love the fuck out of here. <laughs> like with the, the grabbing re- rebounds thing he would do and just uh, what he would do. And just in that class of guys who, you know, in LeBron's class and, and Wade um, and, thinking about that class of guys, I was literally just talking about it before he retired too. And thinking about DeMar DeRozan and Chris Paul and guys like that, who had to go up against LeBron or, or Wade and, and just came up with the short end of the stick and weren't able to get a ring, but still had pretty phenomenal careers. He's a hall of famer, right? Ross. He's 100% a hall of famer. He's the Bernard King of his era, uh, which is basically a, a great score uh, in the league who, couldn't really get over the hump, but, you know, he ran up against some some really good uh, teams back then and some really good stars, guys like Kevin Durant and, and LeBron James and Steph Curry and so on and so forth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, the guy is, is top 10 all time in scoring, uh, and, and he's just he, – he was an amazing basketball player. He's also uh, – I think people forget he's the greatest Team USA basketball player of all time. Like of all time, he, that's where he really made his mark. Is we remember the hoodie mellow days and stuff like that. 
and uh, he would come in the game and, and he was absolutely dynamic in those team USA basketball games. But I remember him, I remember watching him play at Syracuse for that one year and, and, um, and, and him and McNamara winning that title. Um, I also, I went to school on the East coast in Virginia for college. I remember hearing the stories about him coming out of the Maryland area. I was like, man, this guy, Camille Anthony, he's, he's, he's something he's going to be a great one. And he lived up to the hype. He was absolutely outstanding for his entire career. So, you know, Godspeed to him. Um, you know, it's, he's, it's kind of an end of an era. Those guys like that don't really, uh, they're not really around anymore. You know, they, I feel like a guy like him would just step out to the three point land now and just jack up eight or nine threes a game, but he was a deadly mid range scorer and, uh, a a post-up player. It's, it's guys like, like Mello and Paul Pierce and and, and those of that nature, those guys are gone now. We're not going to see those guys ever again, six, seven, 225 pounds who are just beasts, you know, 15 to 17, uh, feet into the basket yeah Carmelo still a hell of a career it's like you said winning those three rings with uh the you know winning the medals rather with team USA it was something else uh just an incredible pure shooter man uh and and in that class of guys Dwayne Wade and LeBron um his presence will be missed but 19 seasons you can hang it up for sure and I'm curious to see what Carmelo does next uh but uh we shall see. We shall see. So, quit tying up the show here, Ross. Uh, with mm. Tina Turner, man, that news was crazy today, but I know that uh, the family had said she'd been battling the longer-term illness. I think she had kidney failure failure or something before this, ultimately uh, dying at 83 comfortably in Sweden. I didn't know she lived in Sweden either, by the way. But uh, shout-out Sweden. Good for her. Mm. Um, but, but what can you say about Tina Turner? I know my, my father is, is sad. He texted me right away because um, we're both just big. You know, R&B and rock fans, um, you, you know, I know you were a fan too, Ross. She's, she's on you know, the petty side of me. is She's reunited with Ike fighting in heaven right now, yeah. making a scene. But uh, <laughs> that's low-hanging fruit. But seriously, so talented. She's such a legend, The you know, called the queen of rock and roll for a reason. Just electric. If you never saw her live, and I never did. I don't know if you did, Ross. But you see the videos, and the performance of Proud Mary just give you chills. She was just so electric and incredible and and that was such a great version of the song what's love got to do with it and many other hits um just one of the most successful recording artists of all time the chicago connection is attending east st louis uh high school and then you know hooking up with ike eventually the outpouring so crazy you know mick jagger you know giving her her flowers as well and there's so many r&b and rock singers that just wouldn't be here without that influence as well um just, just an incredible presence, but, uh, you know, gone and not forgotten. Certainly a great legacy, Hall of Famer. 100%. One of the biggest rock stars uh, in an era where, you know, being black and, and doing rock music wasn't as popular or it was really sure. tough to do. And so what her and Ike Turner did at that time to be superstars was amazing. The music set the groundwork for so much rock, pop, and R&B that we hear today. To me, what stands out the most from her is is the resiliency that she had. Obviously, we know about the struggles that she had with Ike. Um, if you've ever seen What's Love Got to Do With It, played you know, amazingly by um, a- Angela Bassett and by Lawrence Fishburne. Both of them deserve Oscars for that role, uh, for their roles in that film. But we saw what she had to endure uh, about that. 
And then, you know, she was basically black. I don't think a lot of people know this. She was basically blackballed from the industry for exposing Ike Turner and for kind of going through that stuff. And she became a Buddhist and she got really in touch with that situation. And then she comes back all the way in 1983 or 84, I believe. And she comes out with that album and, and, and has What's Love Got to Do With It. And she's back and she's one of the biggest stars in the world again. And the woman at the time was damn near, she was past her forties, you know, and, and, you know, she, and so she has a massive hit with that and she's on stage, she's doing songs with Michael Jackson. She's in, we are the world and David Bowie and Stan Mick Jagger and so on and so forth. So she just had multiple careers and she was such a resilient person uh, on and off the stage. And, and she was awesome. And um, as, as my dad would always say, she also had, the, the best legs that you would have ever seen uh, from, yeah. an, from an entertainer. And she was very famous for that. Her legs were actually insured. Uh, that's how great they were. That's a great way to end it, Ross. She was, really? uh, she was incredible. So I'll be listening yes. to a bunch of Tina Turner this weekend, as I know you will be, as well as uh, B, turning 18 years old. Commons B, which is arguably his best work. I mean, it's a fantastic album. He has a great catalog. Um, Chicago's own common for me. It's yes, that's his best work. Just the the flow of that album from first to last song is so nuts. Incredible production. You get Kanye and Jay Dilla in there, and you get two of my favorite Johns helping out with some of the songs, and John Mayer and John Legend. Uh, I love it. The food is is such a great hit there. The corner, just every part of it. The way it hits off with the the baseline and B and and the end. It's just a very great message too am i right ross and and how i know you had uh, one of the lyrics which i'm sure you will recount in a moment tattooed on your arm and it's mm -hmm. uh it, it's a great catalog uh, of work that common has but this is this is his you know sort of magnum opus this is the best thing that we've seen him do by far and uh, it's one of those perfect albums it's one of those arguably you know you'd say like five albums on a desert island type of shit like i i, I would put that on there very good uh, 100%. It, it's one of my, you know, one day I'll, I'll make a list of my top five favorite Chicago albums of all time. Um, it's certainly on that list for me. Um, it's got one of my favorite intros of all time, which is B, which is, it, it does have the lyric, the present is a gift and I just want to be. It's what's tattooed on my arm. Um, the production's amazing. I think it's some of Kanye's best work of his career. I think Common and Kanye made absolutely amazing, uh, you know, music, obviously at the time. Um, it's got Testify on there, which has Taraji P. Henson video. I think it's one of the best music videos of all time. And it's got the little spin with the song that, you know, spoiler alert, it ends up that she was the queen pen. Um, and, and so that was in the height of the, of the music era. I think also people forget, this is the album that he, he came out with after Electric Circus, which is a massive flop. People just did not like that album a lot. I wasn't a big fan of that album either. And he, to me, it felt like he got back to his Chicago roots and his hip hop roots. And he came out with a classic and, and, you know, I, I love B it's, it's 18 years old. It, it, you listen to it now. It doesn't feel like it's 18 years old. It still feels like he could have came out with this album yesterday. And um, I, I think it's a, it's a very underrated hip hop classic. Um, you talked about the food, the food, obviously we had that moment on the Dave Chappelle show where they, they uh, performed that song live. And I think that's what helped blow up that song and the album was that live performance. Yeah. A great one. What you got planned for the weekend, Ross? Your favorite Memorial Day activity is probably not yeah. working out, right? 
not working, taking the time off. This is the uh, this is the time where we we us like like every other family will go to Home Depot and start to get the flowers to put into the into the patio areas and the garden area and stuff like that. This is a good weekend to just grill and play some music and have some people over and celebrate the fact that it's the official start of the summer. And hopefully we'll turn a page and, and get to more warmer weather going forward. Anything good on the grill? We're going to go traditional, some burgers, some hot dogs, some brats, just, just super traditional. No, no, nothing, nothing fancy right now. This is the start of the grill season. So you got to go very traditional. And then after you get a little tired with the traditional stuff, you switch it up, you switch it up about mid to summer, but I, we're going to stick to the basics here as we're, 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 we're a little rusty. It's like preseason game one. And, and uh, you got to you gotta just kind of stick to the script for the first 15 plays. It's always like weather pending, right? <laughs> yeah. It's very, very much, especially in the Midwest, it's a, it's a fucking crapshoot. But yeah, yes. I'm going to try to to parent as little as possible, which probably isn't possible in itself, but uh, <laughs> not work. I'll make some good drinks. Maybe we'll smoke a shoulder. Maybe we'll uh, do some ribs, something like that. And of course, burgers, dogs, just have the meat sweats and then rinse and repeat as it were but we hope that uh, all of you have a great memorial day weekend and thanks for tuning in to the barroom network we've been mac and reed on youtube remember if you missed any of the previous episodes and this one there'll be audio only versions on of course spotify itunes wherever you get your podcasts and and all that good stuff and this will also be on youtube um after the show is over but uh, follow us on twitter follow me at 311 mac follow ross at Ross Reed. We will see you next time. But for now, we say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Peace.